right, Church of Omaha, we could gather into our seats here. God bless you. I would like to turn to Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1. Paul is writing here in verse 12. Um, he says, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ and most of the brethren in the Lord, having been, being com confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to us today. Oh God, let your, your word go out, Lord. Your, the, God, the, the spirit that you've put in me, God, the thing that you've stirred in me, Lord, that it be conveyed to your people, that their lives would be changed. God, that we'd be drawn closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, Paul is writing here to the Philippians. And today I want to, be talk, I want to talk to you about being emptied of privilege. Emptied of privilege. But Paul is writing to the Philippians. And last week, second half, we, we talked about Paul in the book of Acts. And um, when Paul had gone to, uh, to Athens and he stood on Mars Hill and, and, and he understood that God wanted to can reach people in any condition and in any situation and God can do it through a variety of mechanisms. I was encouraged even after last service, um, as I was visiting with some of you about Athens and Mars Hill, um, even more encouraged by the fact that Jesus can work through any situation. Jesus, uh, um, not, He created the Jews. He set them aside as a people that He was going to work His salvation through. But he also had put in there that he had come to reach all people and all nations. And he had been working in the Greeks. And he had been revealing himself to them in ways they didn't realize. And so when Paul came and preached and to the unknown God, he let them know, you've been worshiping him. You just didn't know it. You just didn't know it. Paul had an urgency to reach people any way that he could in any mechanism or manner. He didn't need to be contained just to the Old Testament Scriptures and to say, hey, uh, now I need to give you a quick tutorial. Let's read this together. We need to get on the same page. Now that you understand this, now I can preach Jesus to you. But he began to show them Jesus in their lives. A few chapters before that in the book of Acts, though, we, we referenced it. Paul had been in prison. Paul and Silas in prison. And, and the place was shaken. That was to the Philippians in Philippi. And so now he's writing to them here in the book of Philippians. And I find it fascinating or interesting, I guess. Maybe fascinating is a strong word. But he says, he tells them, um, he says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And he's talking about his chains. He's writing back to a people that had placed him in prison, a city that had put him in prison, and he references, hey, guess where I'm at once again? I'm in chains. Oh, and I'm in chains because I want to be in chains. In Acts chapter 21, Paul was on his way to Jerusalem, and when he was on his way to Jerusalem, you'll see in verse 11, it says, and when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound him 
bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. I like that Paul was on his way to Jerusalem so that he could go to Rome. You know, life has a way of, uh, I say life, God has a way of where you think you're headed this way or maybe everyone else thinks you're headed this way and God's like, no, 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 not all paths or a straight line. You think to get from your destination, you need to go from here to there. But he says, I need you to go this way. Um, and so he's on his way to Jerusalem. And Paul says, now when we heard these things, both we and those that from that place pleaded, or pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And so when we could not pers be persuaded, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. Paul really had a desire to go to Rome, but he was on his way to Jerusalem. And if you continue to read the book of Acts, you'll see that he got to testify for the name of Jesus there. And he got to stand before Festus and Agrippa and, and proclaim the word of the Lord. And, and then he was sent to Rome. Oh, you know, sometimes bad news will come your way. And when bad news comes your way, you can look at it and say, God, I need your deliverance. Or perhaps God intends that bad news to be the path in which He's going to be glorified. And that's what we see here in Philippians chapter 1. Oh, if we could just get a hold of some things here in the passage that Paul was trying to convey. He, he was letting them know, brethren, I'm in chains here. I, 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 I'm sitting here in Rome and, and, and I've got guards all around me. But you know what's happening? The gospel is being furthered. And those guards that are standing beside me, they're getting an understanding that I'm in chains of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. You know what it's like? You're standing there and it's kind of like those superhero movies, right? In the superhero movie, or, or, and they're, they're standing there, and, and they're all bound up, and, and the superhero, you're like, oh, man, how are they going to get out of this one? And, oh, man, who's going to come to the rescue? And they're like, wait, wait, oh, i got to be some other place. And, and they break free of the chains, and they head their way. Nobody else watches superhero movies? Okay, all right, good on you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I don't wear a cape. I don't wear a cape. You know, they, they're, they're all bound up. You watch them, right? You, you see the, 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 and maybe it's not the superhero, but he's the guy who always comes to the rescue. You know, and he's, he's a suave. He's in the suit, and, and he has everything together. And then you see him in that bad situation, but you're like, I know there's going to be a way out. I know he's got this. And then he breaks the chains. What Paul is saying here is my situation might look bad, but I'm here because Jesus wants me to be here. And if Jesus wants me to be here, then I want to be here too. Oh, I'll take that a step further. I told you Paul wanted to be in Rome. Paul was like, it's okay for me to be bound up. 
Now we read this passage here. He was saying if I need to die in Jerusalem, that's okay. Because I have a purpose and a destination. And it's to convey the word of Jesus Christ. It's to preach the gospel. And however I need to get it there. He heard that word of prophecy and he understood, okay, God's taken me where I need to go. And someone said, but there's going to be trouble. He's like, oh, but that's a word from God. God let you know what it's going to be like. But it doesn't mean that I shouldn't be there. That would tell me a little bit that when we get a warning for a situation that's going to come, if we hear a warning for Omaha or the church of Omaha, I don't mean a warning like repent or you're in big trouble. I don't mean that. But if we get a word of prophecy, or, or you're reading about the end times here, and you understand that things are going to be troubled, that situations are going to arise, God's just letting you know, hey, don't be surprised when it appears like things are going wrong. I'm giving you a, a, I'm giving you a vision. I'm giving you insight that things are going to get rocky. So when you're in that rocky moment, you don't need to walk out on me. You need to just say, yeah, he told me the road wouldn't be easy. But I'm not going to leave the road that he put me on. Hallelujah. Oh, and that can be encouraging to those of the Philippians, those at Philippi. Knowing that if Paul was in chains, and that he had his confidence in the Lord, and, and he says, are much more to speak the word without fear. He's saying, hey, they have a confidence because of where God has me that they're going to preach the word too. And so he goes on, and I'm going to drop down here to verse 27. We're going to be walking through some verses here. But then he talks to them and he says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether that I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit in one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. Oh, hallelujah, it's there again, right there. Oh, that's uh, the adversary, the devil. Now, he'll work through people. Why? Why would he work through people? Well, because if he showed up and and he showed up just like they, they have in the cartoons, red and a pitchfork and a tail run out. He'd be like, that's the devil or a trick-or-treater, one of the two. You wouldn't fall for it. You would be like, I know who you are. I'm not listening to your lies. But if he can come to you from someone that you think maybe you could trust, another person, someone who has that kind of serious face and they're like this is a grave situation and bring you lies you're like wait a second when people around you begin to whisper I wonder what's wrong with them I wonder what's what's going on in their life we've just read through Job Job's friends wait a second here well, this can't be right and and they even reach into the word and, and and that's how the devil likes to come when you read Job you never once see the devil coming in his shining garb to to take Job what did God say? He said, just spare his life. Just spare his life. He didn't say Satan couldn't show up and, and shine in, um, in light. And, no, but the devil understood. I'm not going to get Job that way, so I'm going to come through his friends. Even when, quote, your friends attack you, don't give up on God. 
When your adversary comes against you, and, and that's what the enemy likes to do, whisper into your mind. And he begins to whisper things into you. And he begins to say, look at your situation and look at this mess. Oh, but you can be encouraged. Uh, because your adversary, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, you can look at the trouble. And they would say, oh man, you're far from God. But you can say, I'm right where God needs me to be. And I know He has me right here. I'm holding on to His hand. Amen. And he goes on and he tells us, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. You know, later in this year, got it written down, I'll have a title called To Suffer. But you don't need to run from suffering. You just need to run to Jesus. Jesus suffered for you. And those like the Apostle Paul that have gone before have suffered for this gospel. But I'm telling you right now, you may be in a place where life, it feels like you're suffering. And it may be a struggle. But I would rather suffer with Jesus than to be um, outside of trouble without Him. Because I found that I don't really have any purpose. And I don't really have any great sense of a reason to live unless I'm with Jesus Christ. I remember as a, a young man, I'm still a young man, but a younger man. Um, when I had lots of ideals in life, I'm not saying I still don't have some ideals, but I was talking to my dad. <laughs> and uh, I was talking to him and I, I was... You know, where, where, uh, what does God want for me? And where does he, he want me to be at? And, and I don't know what to do here and do there. And I was um, philosophizing and, and putting things out there. He said a couple things to me. And, and this might have been from a couple conversations. But one, he said, uh, well, when, when you get a wife and kids, you'll find yourself so busy, you won't always wonder about all these questions. That was true, Dad. Um, and then two, he asked me, where did you find yourself at that... Uh, that happy place or that contentment. I don't really like the word happy, but where did you find yourself most satisfied? And I was like, when I was teaching a Bible study, when I was reaching into someone's life, what was that? That answer really was when I was where Jesus needed me to be, connecting with someone else, when I was making a disciple for Him. Oh, earning a lot of money taking nice vacations, uh, having all the gizmos and gadgets, having this hobby and that hobby. I'm telling you from personal experience, it didn't do the same thing to me as when I sat down with someone and I'm able to say, hey, I know where you're at, but let me bring you to Jesus. Oh, I've walked into places tired. I've had a headache. I've been grouchy. I, man, my family might testify to that. But you get in there, and then I'll go off to Walmart, kind of like, I know I got a shop here at night, and you know, and then I run into somebody, and I come home, and I got a bounce, and Alicia's probably like, he was gone a really long time, and now he wants to tell me another story. <laughs> the other day, I go to Walmart, and I'm standing there, and I'm like, oh, I need to talk to this guy, right? Actually, I was like, I need to get my stuff, but I'm like, oh, there's an opportunity. And I found out he was deaf. 
And so we're standing there and we're talking. I'm making big mouth gestures. And he understands me. And pretty soon I've got my phone out and I'm like, here's my boy getting the Holy Ghost. And he's looking at it and he can see that he's speaking in tongues. And he's, he's telling me, oh, I want to tell you, let me bring you to Jesus. There's an opportunity one way or another. It may not be telling them about the plan of salvation. It might be listening to their trouble or their problem. Oh, but if you'll just reach out and connect. Oh, I, I walked in there trying to pile up the cart. I left there. Oh, man. I, I found my way back there because I forgot to get the food that was right beside him. And he's like, you're back. I'm like, yeah, I forgot the food. <laughs> you will get joy when you're doing what Jesus wants you to do. You'll get joy. And so, you may be in a suffering place. You may find that your job isn't what you think it ought to be. And, and family isn't where it needs to be at. But I want to encourage you today. Go ahead, tie into Jesus and say, Jesus, where's an opportunity for you here? Where's an opportunity for you here? Opportunity for Jesus. So Paul goes on, I'm going to reread this. He says, For you has been given granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now hear in me. And then he says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. I really want to highlight these things and I'm going to bring them together again at the end. We'll, we'll come back on them. He says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Now in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter tells us, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, his own special people, that you might proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want to contrast these two scriptures. Because when I read in Peter, I see that I am royalty. I see my privilege and I see who I am. And, and it's exciting. It's exciting to know that I've been called out by Jesus Christ, that I'm a child of the creator of everything. Oh, that, that I, I have rights. And I can walk into any kingdom and dominion and I can walk into this spiritual dominion and I can say my daddy is Jesus Christ and devils of hell, you have to submit to him. And there is no problem that can stand against Jesus and under his authority, I can come against those things. I'm not subject to the enemy. That's exciting. It's exciting to know that you're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Oh, it makes me feel like right now, you know, I got robes on. I feel like, you know, when you're in the, the city there and a long time ago and the, the, the children of the king would, would travel out and they would have their chariots and they'd have their robes and, and people would be like, oh, that's, that's the child of the king. That one, that's Absalom right there. Oh, people knew who you were. You had things they didn't. You had houses they didn't. You were children of privilege. Do not let go of that understanding of what God has brought you into and given you. But, as children of the King, Paul tells us, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. 
What is he saying there? He's saying your place of privilege, you don't need to go around with your nose in the air saying, oh, look at me. Yes, you can walk with a quiet confidence. I'm a child of the King. But he's saying when you're dealing with others, oh, esteem them better than yourself. Oh, if you could understand, he brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And oh, brother, could I wash your feet? I'm here to be here for you. Oh, if you could understand how great God is, have a quiet confidence in Him, but then look at how He values everyone else. And if you could then humble yourself before them, lowliness of mind, if you could do that, Paul's telling us, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, I like that, but also for the interests, interests, not interest, that's money, Interests of others. He's saying, what I like here is he's saying, not only your own interests. It's okay to take care of yourself. It's okay to take a vacation. It's okay to get a break. It's okay to get yourself put together. You know, parents, if you're always doing everything for your children and you don't have you time, one day you will burn out, and then you also won't do anything for your children. You must take care of yourself. Ministers, if you're 24-7 helping out the body of Christ, you will find that you will lose your family, and you will lose yourself. You see, ministers get burned out. You are human, and yes, God comes on you with His Spirit, and, and He strengthens you. But He has not stopped you from being a human being that gets tired and worn out. You'll hear Bishop talk up here about some things he does to get his mind so he goes into the zone. Interests that he has and and things that he does. I, I have my interests. I have my hobbies. You need to do those things. But, Paul tells us, but also the interests of others. He is now saying, would you elevate other people? Would you put them up? Would you bring them a little higher? Would you, would you bring them up here? Would you take your pride and would you make sure that that's gone out of your life? And would you bring yourself down in, in relation to others? Make yourself lowly. Would you not present yourself as, oh, look at me from my place of privilege. Instead, if I could say, privilege others. Privilege others. Look out for others. When we preach and teach these things, what we're saying is that when God filled you with the Holy Ghost, when He filled you with His Spirit, He didn't just fill you with His Spirit, wash you of your sins, clean you all up, for you to go back to your place of work, home, friends, place of business, your world, and minus the sin... Live exactly the way you lived before. If you were an accountant and you were like, okay, I'm not going to do these sins on Thursday night. That's done. I'm going to be nice to other people now. But all you do is go back and be an accountant. That's not what Jesus, that's not the full calling of Jesus Christ when He filled you with His Spirit. But He wants to lead you and guide you into all truth. And one of the things he told his disciples, he says, is after 
you are filled with my spirit. After that ye shall receive. He says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. Oh, what he ended the Gospels with in Matthew, Mark, and Luke when, when he sent them out and he said, go and make disciples. He was saying, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. And then when you go back to that place of work, you're going to have a mindset change. You're no longer an accountant. You are there on the job do, as an opportunity for me, Jesus Christ, to be glorified. Oh, your, your purpose is going to change. Oh, when you encounter somebody, you're like, okay, I, I know I've got to keep some books here and I'm getting a paycheck for that. But Jesus, somebody just walked through that door. How is this conversation supposed to unfold? How is it supposed to unfold? Oh, not just my interests, but the interests of others. And so if I could segue into this passage is that I almost had to be my opening text. But he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. What does that mean? That means this, he was God. He had all the privilege, rights, glory, authority, every bit of grandeur of God. His shining glory on the Mount of Transfiguration was a glimpse into to His awe-inspiring power. With just a look from God, everything has to submit. When He said, when he said peace be still, the storm was still. When He said, let there be light, boom, there was light. When He stretched out the heavens, He did it, and everything, every law of physics was created by Him and must submit right now to His authority. Everything is subject to Him. And knowing all of that, He made Himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. Oh, you can read about bondservants and you can study different, different parts from the Hebrews to the Greeks, but one quote I saw was a bondservant was considered the property of a Roman citizen holding no right to leave his place of service. Oh, until Jesus Christ went to the cross and He died on the cross, He submitted Himself to being a servant. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of men, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Paul tells us, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. What was that mind? It's the word that I've used previous today. His privilege. He took all his privilege and he set it aside. Yeah, I know who I am. When you smacked me in the face, I was the king of glory. But I didn't turn around and tell you, do you know who I am? When you spit on me, 
I felt that. But I forgave you. When I was preaching and teaching you, and I, the God, the Creator of all things, had put on humanity, and I sat on your hillsides, and, and I preached to you words that no one had ever heard, glorious words that invited you to partake with me, and you said those words are too hard, I don't care that you healed me, that you fed me, that you delivered me, that you gave me a reason to live. I'm walking out on here. I didn't kill you. I didn't slay you. I didn't call down lightning from heaven. I didn't suck the breath out of your body. Instead, I took it. I turned to those other humans, my disciples, and I said, are you going to leave me also? He set aside his privilege. Any of you ever said, I don't have to take this anymore? Has any of you ever said, don't they know who I am? That's what Paul, you know, at times he did say, hey, I'm a Roman citizen here. When it worked for the situation. But he's like, you know what? Right now it's time for me to get thrown in prison. I can tell him after the fact. I can pull that card out. But right now, I've got to go to this place of suffering. It's in the path that the Lord Jesus Christ has taken me. And so I'm going to do it. When it was to his advantage, when they would have set him free, he said, hey, I have a right to appear before Caesar. And they're like, you know, we would have set him free. He's like, no, I've got to be in chains because I've got to go where God wants me to go. But what was Paul saying? Just like Jesus set aside privilege, I'm setting aside my privilege. Why? For the cause of the gospel, the good news of salvation. And so he calls on us, let this mind be in you. Let's set aside privilege. What did Jesus do? He emptied himself of all of his privilege so that he could save you. But there's something that he didn't do. He didn't set aside his identity. You're like, hold on a second. His identity was clothed. He didn't get rid of his identity or his authority. Yes, he could have taken himself off the cross. But under his own authority, he went to the cross. Yes, he could have called down angels from heaven to deliver himself. But under his own authority, they had to stay in their place. He didn't set aside his essence, his identity, his authority. And you know what you don't need to do? Yes, you are children of the King. And you have his authority. And you have dominion. And so when you walk into a situation, you can go ahead and set aside your privilege. But you can have a quiet confidence that you have authority in Jesus Christ. Oh, let's give him a hand clap. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This is exciting to me. Because what I see here is that we are going to be selfless individuals. Not promoting ourselves. Not putting on things that say, oh, look at me. Not being the one out there to, to say, well, I, I deserve this award and that award. And, and I deserve to be first place. And, and, and here's all my credentials. Instead, you're preferring others over yourself. You're loving them. You're serving them. All the while knowing, Sister Kim, <laughs> I want to serve you 
because I know I have what you need. And when you finally come and you say, my life has been tormented, and I'm like, aha, here's an opportunity for Jesus to shine. And I say, let me bring you to Jesus. And the devils are over here that have tormented you. And you're like, hey, this person was interested in me. This person didn't look down on me. This person didn't lord over me. Instead, they were looking up at me. And now they're taking me to some place where I can get help. I can get deliverance. Why do we do this? It's because of the mercy of Jesus Christ in our lives. His kindness towards us. Oh, what are we called to do? We're called to have His characteristics. Because even now, the God of glory loves, cares, and is reaching. Why has so much time passed since He was resurrected, since the Holy Ghost was poured out? Because there's another one to reach. There's another one to love. Why doesn't He parade the streets in His shining glory? Because there's another one to bring back. There's another one to deliver. There's somebody else He says, hey, if you'll give me an opportunity before I finally return in my glory and splendor, I'll sit on the throne of your heart. I'll take all those sins. Um, and though they be uh, um, scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. So we exhibit His characteristics. We're selfless. And then I just want to say two other things here. We need to live on purpose. You need to have a sense that you have purpose. That's why I shared that story earlier. Well, Lucas, you don't know what to do. Where did you find yourself to be most satisfied at? In his purpose. And every one of you was not only saved from your sin, but God called you and gave you purpose. He gave you purpose. He's like, I'm building this kingdom. And this moment is going to be but a blip in history. But it is an important moment. And if you'll be willing to fulfill my purpose... The purpose of Jesus Christ on this earth, if you'll be willing to do it, just be willing to give up yourself. If you'll be willing to be selfless, if you'll be willing to set aside your privilege and just be what I need you to be, I've got purpose for you. And when you're with me in it, you'll be happier, you'll be more satisfied than you could possibly be. Purpose. And then I want to use the word intentional. Because Jesus was intentional about his business. When he was on this earth, he didn't let the problems get in his way. He didn't get offenses take him down. He didn't let his, his feelings get all buffed up over here. And I'm sure I'm not going to Samaria. No, he's like, I've got to be someplace. He was intentional. And so I want to tell you, Church of Omaha, today that you need to be intentional. In your living. In order to fulfill our purpose as the body of Christ, we must live intentionally. It has been ringing through my head that we need to see every situation as an opportunity to connect somebody to Jesus Christ. You need to look at every moment in your life, every place you go, not as that you're separate from Jesus, but that this is God's moment. This is God's moment. And you say, well, that was a mundane moment. I was, 
I don't know, Brother Matthew, if you have to give those babies little shots or not. But when you're in there working with them, when you're talking, when you're saying, hear what's wrong, you're changing people's lives. And it may not be that you said, be baptized in Jesus' name and fill with the Holy Ghost. No, so many of your moments are not that. That's just one of the climaxes in people's lives. It's just one of those bright moments where, where he completes something. Oh, but the angels in heaven rejoice when one repents, when one begins to turn. And when they're with you and they're like, hold on a second. Brother Jeremy talked about it the other day. He was in a rough situation in the hospital. It was a rough situation. It was the worst of the worst. And the lady turned and she was like, do you know Jesus? I can tell that you have a relationship with Jesus. Not everybody's even going to say those words to you. They're not going to recognize it, but they're going to cleave to you. You're going to be a moment of peace for them because you're being Jesus to them. Oh, just like we talked about Athens last week, uh, um, uh, Mars Hill. Jesus had been wanting to reach those people and he had been shining into their lives to the point that they had made an altar to the unknown God. Why? Because God had been active there. He had just been clouded. He had just been covered. And so that's the way God's working. So see every moment as an intentional moment. When you're there, walk into your place of business. Okay, God, is there an opportunity here? Don't miss the opportunity. I almost missed one the other day. I was talking to a guy. I was all set to walk at lunch. Man, I understand these are just my own personal stories to hopefully encourage you. And he says, hey, we're talking about something. He says, can we do lunch? And my first words were, I go, actually, today I actually can't do lunch. I've got this other thing here. I'm going to be going with Gary over here. And then I stop, and I'm like, you know what? I'll do that another day. We can do lunch. Because poking in the side of my head was this is an intentional moment. And I've just had somebody say, can you do lunch with me? Or can we get a coffee? I want to talk some more to you. Live intentionally. Live intentionally. The words of Jesus on this earth as he prayed in Luke chapter 21, as he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. I want it gone. I can't do it. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. The angels appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. The God of glory took on the form of a servant. He set aside his place of privilege. He emptied himself of it. And he came to save us. Can we do anything less? Can we do anything less? I don't know where God's going to call you to be, but I know that when you get there, he'll be exactly what you need him to be. So Church of Omaha, as I draw this to a close, if we could stand to our feet. I just want to ask you, would you be willing to empty yourself of your privilege and live intentionally for him? With that quiet confidence of knowing that you have all his authority and power and that he's invested his life, his spirit is living in you. Lord Jesus, we submit ourselves to you. God, we hear your call to live on purpose. We hear your call to empty ourselves of ourselves. Oh Lord, and to live, oh God, for you. To carry you to each and every place. To see every place as an 
opportunity for you to be glorified, for you to be revealed in the manner that you want to be revealed in that moment. God, we submit our needs to You and we submit ourselves to one another, Lord, preferring one another above ourselves, God. Help us, O oh Lord, oh God, to, to change our eyesight from ourselves and to place it on Your purpose and mission. To place it on people and on the kingdom. And to live intentionally for sharing the Gospel. We repent of our sins. We repent of our ways. and We submit our lives to You. Hallelujah. Go ahead and just love Him for a moment. Hallelujah. Thank You, Jesus. Hallelujah. We give You glory. We submit our lives to you. God bless you. We'll see you in here at 1120. And live intentionally.